Support for this podcast comes from Outdoor Supply Hardware, inviting listeners to OSHA's big anniversary sale celebration, May 20th through the 26th, featuring daily deals, $15,000 in giveaways, 20% off store-wide on Saturday and Sunday, and a lot more. Learn more at OSH.com. From KQED. From KQD in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. For the last decade, tech companies in the Bay Area had been on a roll. Share prices were through the roof, companies hired by the busload, and if you wanted to leave one A-list company for a startup or another tech giant, there were bountiful opportunities. Now, as 3,700 Twitter employees go looking for new jobs after being laid off by Elon Musk, as many other companies are laying off workers in less prominent ways and... Literally more than a trillion dollars have been shaved off the market value of our tech companies in the last year. We consider what the tech industry's reversal of fortunes could mean for tech workers and for the rest of us who live here. That's all coming up next after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. In the year before the pandemic, an enterprising data-savvy realtor named Dennis Karamaner put together an analysis of home sales in San Francisco in 2018. He found that literally half of the homes for which a buyer could be identified went to people working for technology companies. Half. And that was before the blizzard of IPOs that happened in subsequent years and then the massive peak pandemic era run-up in share prices. And it's not just San Francisco, and it's not just homes. The flood of money that the tech industry funneled into the Bay Area reached all over. Yes, it drove up the cost of housing, as we all know, but it also pushed money to florists and video makers and art galleries and cabinet installers and restaurateurs and, yes, even public radio stations. Tech money, especially if you include all the techs like biotech and Tesla stuff, has been the engine of the Bay Area economy. So we're now looking at the worst conditions for technology companies since George W. Bush was president. What's going to happen to an economy built on the massive growth of the past 15 years? Joining us to talk about this, we've got Jeff Belisario, Executive Director of the Bay Area Council Economic Institute. Welcome, Jeff. Morning, Alexis. Thank you for having me. Good morning. And we've got Shira Frankel, technology reporter based in San Francisco for The New York Times, of course, and the co-author of An Ugly Truth, Inside Facebook's Battle for Domination. Welcome, Shira. Hi. Thanks for having me. Uh, so let's start with what's happening for people who haven't been uh, paying attention. Shira, we've heard of a few companies making significant cuts. Lots of people have probably heard about Twitter, but there's others too, right, that have been shedding jobs just like in the past couple of weeks. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've had companies ranging from Apple to Amazon to Google talk about cutting back their workforce and freezing hiring going forward. This really seems to be an industry-wide change, and it's affecting startups. Zendesk, we know, laid off quite a few people this week, and it will begin affecting Facebook. Um, What we've heard is by the end of this week, Facebook plans to lay off a significant amount of their workforce. Wow. And do we know what's behind it like what are they are the companies all saying the same thing are they saying different things they're saying different things but they all are sort of looking ahead at the economic forecasts and assuming that we're heading into troubling uh times they cite everything from inflation to to problems with production 
um, to changes in the advertising model. I mean, Facebook, I don't think anyone who's followed the news will be surprised that they're looking at layoffs. Their stock has dropped almost 72%. Um, Which is like $750 billion. Right, right. When in I say market, 72%, yeah. the sheer amount of money is sometimes um, is sometimes boggling. But yeah, Facebook has dropped so significantly that you have to imagine the executives and specifically Mark Zuckerberg at the head of that company are looking at a way to slash costs. Yeah. You know, Jeff, when we hear, you know, a number of job losses, like just taking Twitter, you know, we hear 3,700. We know that only some percentage of those are here in the Bay Area, but it's still a lot of jobs. It's still a lot of people uh, to lose their, their job. What's the sort of broader Bay Area labor market look like, right? I mean, we have many, many jobs here. So 3,700 in some level is just kind of a, a drop in the bucket, even if it's a big number for individuals and for that company. Correct, correct. So the, the Bay Area job market is about 4 million jobs total across the nine counties. So when you say a few hundred or a few thousand, um, it's not like the economy has fallen off a cliff. But those are real jobs. They're real people. They are real households that are now um, potentially unemployed. I, I do think the one silver lining here is that even within the tech economy, we see so many job openings and so many other companies hiring. So while we may see these freezes and layoffs today, uh, one of the big questions we have is, are those people then able to turn around and find a new job quickly? Or um, do we have a, a scenario where these people will be on the sidelines and unemployed for an extended period of time? Yeah. Jeff, you led right into our first call out here because that is what we want to hear. If you've lost a tech job or you're looking for a tech job now in the Bay Area, how does the labor market feel out there to you? Does it feel like there's lots of jobs? Does it feel like everybody's pulling back and there's hiring freezes? You can give us a call. The number's 866-733-6786. If you're maybe you're one of the people who worked at Twitter, you don't have to be. The number's 866-733-6786. Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's KQED Forum. And the email is forum at kqed.org. Um, Jeff, staying with you just uh, for another question here. Um, can you talk about the kind of job growth that the Bay Area saw during this time? Got a little uh, background of our producer there. Um, but can you talk about the kind of uh, job growth that the Bay Area saw over the last 15 years? Well, we were, we were the top of the heap. If you look at um, all of the charts, whether it was GDP growth or wage growth or total employment growth, our region, Silicon Valley, San Francisco in particular, were beating out effectively every other metro area in the nation. Uh, on a quarterly basis, almost for 10 years. If you look from the Great Recession up until the start of the pandemic, um, our growth was just, it was supersonic. Uh, so I, I think, you know, part of what we're seeing now is a retrenching of some of these companies. They, they Some of them grew even more quickly um, over the course of the pandemic. If you think about some of the technologies we were using, uh, they weren't necessarily impacted by everyone staying at home. Um, so we did continue to see tech growth um, within our region and within many of these companies. And I think, you know, the announcements that we've had over the past couple of weeks, some of them just take employment levels back to where we were in 2018, 2019. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, part of this is a response um, to a potential recession. You know, part of this, I think, with with consumer demand and business demand slowing, these companies have seen slower growth. Um, so one way to drive performance in the stock price is to cut costs. But I, I don't think this is necessarily... Uh, a total explosion or implosion of the tech economy. Um, this is more of a retrenching and a uh, potentially slowing growth in our region that doesn't look like it did from 2010 to 2018 or 2019. Yeah. 
You know, Sheer, it's, it's, of course, not just the layoffs. I mean, these tech companies have uh, famously been dependent on sort of stock-based compensation, right? They give out shares. And so if the stock goes down, it's like many employees took a de facto pay cut, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's something we've been hearing from some employees who are still employed at these companies. The companies cut a lot of the perks during the pandemic, things like free laundry and dinner that you could take home for your family. I mean, that that went away during the pandemic. And now their stock is worth so much less than what it used to be. They're, they're really feeling that at, at their bottom lines. Hmm. You know, let's go to the phones uh, right away and just hear, uh, hear a story. Um, Sinclair in Oakland, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. Um, I am a person who spent a lot of money to train through a coding boot camp. I actually went through two coding boot camps, took some time out of the workforce to um, be a stay-at-home dad, and then retrained through boot camp. And as a junior developer, um, job descriptions are looking for three to five years of experience, and now the market is flooded with a lot of senior developers who have a lot more experience. The entry level for um, people who have been sold on these boot camps to um, become a part of the tech community is really um, it's really quite difficult right now. Yeah. And did you, was there a change? Like, have you been looking long enough that you could see it go from, oh, this looks like there's lots of openings maybe while you were in boot camp to like by the time you got out, things had dried up? Or do you think it's it's been a little more stable than that? Um, I think I've, I've noticed a little bit. I mean, I worked as a developer, as a junior developer for a little bit. Um, and while I was a part of that team, we interviewed a number of candidates. And then looking at how we were constructing our job descriptions, I've, I've seen the length of experience required just for an entry-level position jump from one to two years to three to five years um, for junior positions. Yeah, yeah. Man, Sinclair, um, thank you for that on the ground report. I mean, I think we're thinking about this show as like, you know, we're not going to know the numbers quantitatively for what's happening with the job market. So we're trying to take some, uh, get some you know, qualitative temperature taking here. Um, Shira, like you, when we hear that story from Sinclair, I feel like there's there's two narratives you could kind of tell from it. I mean, one would be that as the job market tightens up, maybe people will leave the Bay Area or maybe people will leave the field or do you think that it's possible that that as the tech economy nationally and even internationally struggles, the Bay Area counterintuitively might even get stronger because that's still where the jobs, the bulk of the jobs are? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great question, and I'm not sure yet because I don't think we know whether a lot of these jobs that have been eliminated were remote. I mean, we have to remember that there was a really massive sort of sea change that happened during the pandemic where a lot of these tech companies allowed their employees to go remote and work from anywhere in the world. And they hired up extensively in the rest of the world. And so I imagine that as they look at their numbers and they look to reduce costs like travel, a lot of those remote positions might go away and they could very much decide to consolidate their base here in the Bay Area where they've invested in a great deal of real estate. Yeah. Uh, You know, David's got a comment. Uh, any he writes, any kind of an economic downturn is good for tech because it gives them an excuse to lay off lower performers and refocus their businesses. It is most likely a healthy part of the business cycle for the companies. The laid off workers do need to scramble if it's at the beginning of a downturn. You know, and Shira, we've heard this from investors in technology companies that they felt like tech companies during, you know, the era of cheap 
money, you know, where uh, where it was easy to borrow at, at very, very low rates, as well as just kind of this growth for the tech industry that they had sort of, you know, I'm not making a commentary on this, but that they had <laughs> that they had gotten kind of um, soft or they had too many workers for the work that right. needed to be done. Right. I mean, I think the thing that was often said is that the VCs and the, the investors in a lot of these companies were looking at the headcount as a way of gauging, you know, of, of whether there was good growth. And to show a high headcount was to show that you were growing appropriately and you were making your investors happy. I think there's now been a reframing, a, re, a rethinking of a lot of that. Um, and they've been asking themselves whether all of that growth, especially during the pandemic, was wise. A lot of companies, including Facebook for that matter, didn't do performance evaluations during the pandemic. And so people that would have scored low on a performance evaluation and been let go as part of their standard practice were not let go. And so again, some of what we're seeing right now might be them as a company kind of catching up to that and saying, okay, we have some low performers and now we're going to let them go. We're going to look across the company at who these low performers might be. We're talking about the numerous layoffs at Bay Area tech companies and what that could mean for our region's economy. We're joined by Shir Frankel, technology reporter based in San Francisco with The New York Times, who's, of course, the co-author of a best-selling book, An Ugly Truth, Inside Facebook's Battle for Domination. We're also joined by Jeff Belisario, executive director of the Bay Area Council Economic Institute, kind of providing a broader base economic analysis for us. We'd love to hear from you. If you've lost or are looking for a tech job in the Bay Area recently, how's the labor market feel? You can give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We're KQED Forum. And the email is forum at kqed.org. You're all very important to this show, so we uh, would love to hear from you. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about layoffs at Bay Area tech companies and what that's going to mean uh, for tech workers and for the rest of us. Joined by the executive director of the Bay Area Council Economic Institute, Jeff Belisario, and Shira Frankel, New York Times technology reporter based in San Francisco, co-author of An Ugly Truth, Inside Facebook's Battle for Domination. Let's go to William in Belvedere. Welcome, William. Uh, Yes, thank you very much. Um, I'm not sure to which guest to direct this uh, question, but I've heard that there's a 25% office vacancy rate in San Francisco. I don't know to what extent that is reflected in other areas of the Bay Area, but I do have read about different uh, startups, whatever you, computer companies, whatever, 
uh, laying off a lot of people in San Francisco. Yeah. And I wanted to know what effect this would have on the tax money available for areas where there's large office vacancy rate and therefore decreased property values for commercial real estate, mm-hmm. how this is going to affect the tax monies available for various programs in such communities. That's a great point. I, I think uh, Jeff Belisario uh, with Bay Area Council Economic Institute, I mean, this is this is right up your alley. Um, thank you. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah that's a, a, a great question. And I think one that within San Francisco and you know, office dense cities around the region are beginning to grapple with. What we haven't seen is actual uh, properties change hands that would reset those property values and drive property taxes lower. Um, but you're 100% correct that high vacancy rate in San Francisco, um, potentially even going higher as we hear of more layoffs and more companies moving out of the city, um, will drive an impact on the city's fiscal situation. Um, so I, I, that's why we're hearing so much about how we can get workers back into San Francisco. We talk so much about safety and homelessness and amenities in the city, because really when you, when you think about the COVID crisis and now potentially heading into the recession, places like downtown San Francisco, downtown Oakland have not fully recovered. And now there are all these new headwinds um, around mm-hmm. jobs. So you're, yep. you're for sure going to see, you're already seeing less people downtown. So there's less sales tax spending in the downtown area. Um, and if we don't come back as an economy and we have more layoffs coming, uh, it makes it harder to come back as a downtown economy. You're going to see changes to the, the bottom line of our cities for sure. Well, and I think, uh, William, to your point, too, it's not just that vacancy rate. I mean, by there's some measures that people have created to look at sort of the recovery of major metropolitan areas, and San Francisco is uh, dead last. So it's it's a, it's a real issue. Um, Shira, uh, Franco, I wanted to ask you this. We had a, we had a caller who, unfortunately, we, we lost. But the question was about, you know, the impact of these kinds of layoffs on uh, South Asian workers who'd come over on visas. Um, this is, you know, during this very hot labor market, tech companies were bringing in a lot of uh, Indian workers specifically to uh, on particular types of visas. What happens in, in those kinds of circumstances, if you know? Right. Well, I was actually speaking to one of those workers who got laid off from Twitter and trying to understand a little bit about his scenario. And my my understanding from speaking to him, and I'm I'm just going to preface this by saying I'm not a legal expert, but it sounds like he has a very limited amount of time where he can find employment with another company that can sponsor his visa. And if he's able to very, very quickly do so um, and have that company apply to sponsor him, then he can stay here. But he said that a lot of people he knew who were also here on uh, visas that were tied to their employment were having to immediately head back home, getting out of their, you know, their rentals, getting out of car leases. I mean, imagine having to, you know, have really just a week or two's notice to pack up your entire life in the Bay Area um, because a company has decided to lay you off. Man, that is... I'd like to see some follow-up reporting on that, Chief Frigo. Let's see. Um, Alex in Mountain View, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for taking my call. I had a question for your guests. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. Um, which, tech, which tech companies are giving priority to U.S. citizens in the sense that uh, during the layoffs, the H-1B visa holders will be laid off first before U.S. citizen? Mm-hmm. Thank you. That may be difficult to answer, but uh, Shira, I think that would be you. Yeah, I I haven't heard of tech companies making that kind of calculation. They've really been evaluating people based on teams that are underperforming or teams that they consider to be vanity projects left over from the pandemic. And really, I'd say the layoffs have been happening, have been happening that way. I haven't heard of layoffs that have specifically 
um, you know, decided to, to give preference to U.S. Uh, citizens versus uh, people here on visas. Yeah. Uh, let's go to uh, Heather in Berkeley. Welcome, Heather. Yes. Hi. Good morning. Um, thank you. So I was just calling because I was listening to the comment about um, the fact that, you know, some workers have lost the ability to have like dinners to be able to take home and these various perks. And I've been a Bay Area resident for 50 years, grew up in San Francisco, now live in Berkeley. I'm a professional, but not in the tech industry. And um, I've watched the way that the funny money of the tech industry sort of like this Sort of the large infusions of cash and perks has altered the economy in some good ways, but also some negative ways, made it harder to hire people in the healthcare industry, in our basic services, teachers, all those sort of services that don't, you know, that are lesser paid. Um, and I'm wondering if maybe some of these changes might actually offset some of those negative changes and could in the long run, have a more positive effect on our local economy mm. by just tempering some of that rampant um, economic growth that may sometimes have negative consequences. Mm. Uh, just curious your thoughts on that. Yeah, kind of a rebalancing of the economy, perhaps. I'll take my um, answers off the air. Sure. Great. Thank you, Heather. Um, Jeff Bosario, um, do can we see that sort of thing in the numbers? I mean, we can see when people surge into tech over the last years. Um, but, you know, does it get easier to hire if you're, you know, a healthcare company with a large presence in the Bay Area? Does it get easier to hire if you're, um, you know, a, some other kind of firm? You know, I, it, it's tough to really pull that out of the data. I, I think the the one piece where you can, can look at costs is in the housing market. And we've seen our region pull back on housing prices more than other regions today. Um, I, I do think, though, overall, you know, while the tech economy was growing extraordinarily fast, quickly and, and putting pressure on other pieces of the, of the economy, you know, those tech jobs do support spending in all of those other industries. So when we do see tech have a downturn, um, we're going to see pressure across the entire Bay Area economy. So I, I'd caution to, to really say, like, look at all the benefits of, of tech struggling here. What I do think we have, though, is, is a bit of an inflection point in our economy where we will be growing more slowly. And I, I think we're talking to policymakers and saying, all right, how do we really get a handle on some of our key issues around workforce and housing costs? and homelessness, because if we think about our next wave of growth, and it's going to come, we're going to grow population, we're going to grow jobs, we're still the, the tech capital of the world, right? You know, how do we solve some of these other things in this lull in the economy we have right now so that we are set up in a good way to grow sustainably going forward? Yeah. You know, there are many other people who are linked to this uh, tech economy as we've been as we've been talking about and we'd love to hear from some of you too if your you know livelihood or business has been dependent on the tech sector um, are you are you worried you know you're an interior designer you're you know uh, somebody who ha has provided services to technology uh, companies you can also give us a call 866-733-6786 or you can go uh, Twitter Facebook Instagram or KQD forum and the email is forum at kqed.org. Um, you know, Shira, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, you know, Facebook, that is to say Meta, its its new name is, you know, they kind of hired very, they were hiring a lot. I mean, they, they had added like 30% of uh, uh, headcount uh, from a year ago as of September. So how much of this do you think is, um, like, 
that's a big jump. So even if they cut some jobs, it feels like we might end up net positive from two years ago. Yeah. I mean, that's something we've been thinking about a lot. How many of the jobs that they cut are going to be things that, you know, have projects they sort of were experimenting with and have decided are not worthwhile. I mean, as you said, the company previously known as Facebook, now Meta, has pivoted to the metaverse and it's a very, very experimental pivot for them. And so it might be that some of these jobs that are let go are things that they have thought would work for the metaverse, but actually, you know, aren't fruitful or won't be ready in time and whatnot. And so, yes, I mean, they might, they likely will still end up in a net positive from where they were two years ago. Yeah. You know, maybe uh, it would be interesting, Jeff, to kind of do a little compare contrast with what I think is in people's heads if they think about tech downturn, which is the dot-com bust. Um, Could you talk a little bit about maybe like just how different the Bay Area economy is from that time? Yeah, I think very different. So with the dot-com bust, we had all sorts of companies with relatively questionable business models, you know, those companies themselves did go bust and and did create you know almost a a decade of slower growth and slow recovery for our region. What we have here, though, it, and I think Shira has mentioned it, we we had very fast hiring within the tech sector over the last couple of years, quick growth, and we're we're more now in a, a period where those companies are experiencing slower growth. They're reporting drops in revenue for sometimes the first times in their history, right? So I. I think that there's this aspect now of these companies are not going under, but they are retrenching and rebalancing their labor force to adjust for costs. And, you know, that that's still a loss of jobs, but it's not necessarily a loss of the innovation ecosystem that we have here. You know, these companies are going to survive two, three, five, ten years from now, and they will continue to grow back. But I think what we're we're now looking at is a instead of the hyper growth we had for the last 10 years, a slower growth period for many of these companies. And I think that, you know, the big questions around how these companies react to inflation and interest rates, because this is really the first time in their history um, mm-hmm. where they've had a highly inflationary period. So I, I think there's there's just so much uncertainty now within many of the these, these tech companies within the innovation economy that they're making these changes really to kind of retrench for what could be a, a difficult 2023 for many of them from a bottom line perspective. You know, I think when thing a lot of people are wondering about and who some uh, listener writes in to say, do we know the fate of the housing market in the coming years? Should we sell our homes and move out of the state or even out of the country, given the uncertainty in the job market economy and the political unrest? Maybe you could start trying to answer the, the first part of that question, though, uh, about you know, what kind of impact. You've, you've mentioned there was like a cooling off of prices, but I mean, prices have gone up so much just in the last two years, to say nothing of the last 10. Um, what do you expect to happen uh, from now on? Yeah, I think that's that's the million dollar question here in, in the Bay Area, and I, you know, I, I can answer this one of two ways. I'm a renter, so I, I'm hopeful that prices continue to cool down, and you know, I can may, potentially enter that housing market. But I, I do think, from if I put my economist hat back on, the, the Bay Area has a supply constraint within its housing market, and that's driven much of the housing price run up. Is that we just haven't built to match our growth, so I, I do think. Home prices will continue to come down in our region, potentially more than in other regions across the U.S. Um, over the next year. But I, this is definitely not a scenario where we had it in the Great Recession, where home prices really fell off a cliff. And I think that's an important just you know, piece to remember for the listeners is that we all remember the Great Recession as the last big economic hiccup 
you know, there was contagion across the financial markets. There, all industries contracted, housing contracted. We had a deep and long recession. What we have here, and I, many economists are forecasting this, and we need a better term for it, it's something like a normal recession, right? Where it, it may be a few quarters of negative growth. We'll see higher unemployment, but we don't necessi- necessarily see uh, just total disruption within our economic systems. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Uh, John in San Francisco, welcome. Oh, hi. Thanks for taking my question. Um, yeah, I, I I work in tech. I've been working in tech for 15 years uh, and over. Um, my question is, I think a core problem with startups and tech companies in general is that they aim for unsustainable growth, and that's actually rewarded in the market. Um, and then the recession comes across and everyone's like, oh, we need to scale back. We need to talk about sustainability and sustainable growth. Uh, how do we balance these two? Mm, yeah. I'll take my answer offline. Okay. Hey, thank you, uh, John San Francisco. Uh, Shira, I mean, this is something that technology critics have been saying for quite some time, that not only does this kind of growth and particularly cheap venture capital uh growth, it kind of crowds out businesses that might otherwise be able to like eke out a living, but can't when they're competing against places that are willing to, you know, take losses. Right, exactly. I mean, I think we've heard this debate happening within sort of VC venture capitalists for some time. And I've talked to to people who work at VCs who think that their own sort of um, their, their own thinking on this is somewhat irresponsible, because when they do fund companies, they offer this kind of like, you know, bottomless purse and say, spend it all, spend as much as you can, because we want to see you scale up and grow um, as fast as possible. I think that, you know, Amazon and Facebook are such early examples of this, and they can point to the success there, obviously, Uber being another famous one, where you grow as fast as possible and, and crowd out the competition. Um, and then, but then you do leave yourself in a position of like, right, well, have you scaled too fast? Is it irresponsible? Have you damaged parts of the economy? Have you damaged parts of the world because of your growth? I mean, that, that's something that's, I think, an evergreen debate um, here in the Bay Area. And actually, I just wanted to say, Jeff, I find the term normal recession very comforting. I think <laughs> there's something really nice about just saying, well, don't worry, this is just going to be a normal recession. Um, I, I think I agree with you. Um, Hari in, uh, in Fremont, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Great program as always. Uh, just for context, I've been in the tech industry for 20 years, 15 of it in San Francisco in the Bay Area. Uh, this, I agree with your experts. This is a cycle. It'll wash in and wash out. Uh, not to minimize the hardships of people who are facing layoffs at this point in time, but stick to the basics. Have financial prudence. Be mindful of your income to debt ratio. Don't be scandalized by the media creating havoc in your minds. Just stick to the basics. We will all survive through this. And for a bunch of us, including me, who act very entitled because, you know, we are spoiled by the perks in the industry, it's time to, you know, cut those fat layers off and once again stick to basics. Um, And I think this is also phase in which this recession in certain ways, this layoffs, the recession, the upcoming recession in certain ways is good for the industry too, because, you know, this is how we cleanse ourselves. And I think in a certain way, we should welcome this so that money gets redistributed in the right way and to the new tech and the new industry, and we will all live to see a better day tomorrow. 
appreciate your optimism, Hari. Thank you so much uh, for for calling. Um, you know, sure. I want to bounce back to you. Uh, Frederick writes: How are tech leaders held accountable for the poor planning job they did that is leading to the current wave of layoffs? Which barrier companies are currently letting C level executives go for being wrong in their forecast? It seems workers are the only variable adjusted here. Uh, I think, sadly, as is often the case, um, that the executives don't get held responsible, certainly at a lot of these companies where the executives hold so much power that they cannot be really held responsible by anyone. Um, You know, Twitter, which has obviously seen a change of leadership under Elon Musk, has let go of quite a few executives. But I think that was largely due to Musk wanting to bring in his own people and really sort of um, restructure the company in his own image. At other companies, I would say the vast majority, if not all, of the layoffs have happened among um, the rank and file of employees. And I'll be honest, I mean, you you look at companies like Facebook, which is structured with, you know, a chief executive that really can't be held accountable. Um, he holds the majority of the voting shares and he has an advisory board, really. You know, even if someone were to go to Mark Zuckerberg and say, hey, Mark, it was a really bad idea to spend however many billion on the metaverse when that technology is five years out and it's not going to really bring in significant profits for our company. There's not much else that can be done other than sort of a quiet word. You know, there just isn't there isn't. um, You can write a strongly worded letter. You can write a very strongly worded letter to Mark Zuckerberg and then probably get fired um, because the only people still remaining at Facebook are those that support his you know, vision for the metaverse. Um, so, yes, I mean, I, I do think it is the case, as always, that, that rank and file um, employees are the ones being let go. Yeah. We're talking about layoffs at Bay Area tech companies, what that might mean for our region's economy and the industry itself. Joined by Sheer Frankel, technology reporter based in San Francisco with The New York Times. And Jeff Belisario, executive director of the Bay Area Council Economic Institute. We're taking a lot of your calls this morning. It's been really, really interesting. If you've lost or are looking for a tech job in the Bay Area recently, how does the labor market feel out there? And even if you're not involved with tech and you don't provide services to the technology industry, what would a cooling Bay Area economy mean for you? Do you think it could be a good thing? You can give us a call. 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're KQED Forum. And I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more right after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're kind of talking about the state of the Bay Area's technology industry and what it means for the region's economy with Jeff Belisario of the Bay Area Council Economic Institute and the New York Times' Shira Frankel. Uh, Let's bring in Hanson in San Francisco. Welcome, Hanson. Oh, hi. um, My name is Hanson Lee. I originally from China. 
1980, but I live in the Bay Area ever since, so I spend more time of my life in Bay Area as an electrician. Electrician actually can make a fantastic living here, and because of the Internet industry, Silicon Valley as a capital, many of us, including our parents and school, forgot to training electricians. Hmm. And thinking computer is the future, little they know the computer industry can shipping their jobs, can can more susceptible for for economy up and downs. I have been working on a building that brand new with all the gifts, and the company folded up. They never fully expanded because of the Wall Street gave them a, such a blank check. So they can do whatever they want and not thinking about the folks like a long resident of San Francisco. We really need a, a government or the think tank think about how we can sustain and support the job that cannot be shipped away. And that's my comment. Yeah. Hey, Hanson, I mean, is being an electrician, if you're a young person, like you, you said you can make a fantastic living. Like, has it really, it's been a great way for you to, you know, support your family, live here in the Bay Area? Oh, let me tell you, I've been an electrician for 40 years. All my workers making 10 years work for me. I'm running a collective, hence an electrical contract. They are able to buy a house, even buy an apartment in Piedmont, California, in San Francisco, anywhere. Because actually the government job, minimum wage is $120 an hour as an electrician, folks. Yeah. So fantastic job and cannot ship it away. And government has so many construction work. Yeah. With Hanson. all the local government, state, yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I just, I really appreciate getting your per- perspective on this and, you know, um, love that you, uh, that you gave us a call. And I think, you know, uh, sure. I, I think there's like a, a really deep truth in kind of what, what Hanson is saying that the tech industry not only sucked people out of being electricians, but all kinds of other fields, not just because it was a good way of life, but the companies made it really easy. And there was this possibility of a big payday down the road. Do you think like the decline in those share prices and kind of the, the, I mean, I don't want to say popping the bubble, but at least sort of taking some of the air out of those share prices. Do you think that might lead some people out of the industry? Um, it might, but to be honest, they're still offering so much more money than other industries. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of people I've spoken to just in the last two days who used to work as human rights uh, professionals or as journalists and who left both of those industries because the amount of money they could make working for a tech company like Twitter was almost four or five times as much as they were going to make working for a newspaper um, or for, you know, a human rights organization. So you have people that, you know, I, I just think that the tech salaries are so massive, even with the stocks being worth less, mm. that you're going to have people that are always drawn to that kind of yeah. paycheck. Yeah. Um, thanks so much for that call, Hanson. I really, really appreciate that. And thanks for listening. Um, Jeff, uh, got a question for you from a listener, AJ, who writes, uh, gridlock, pollution, noise, displacement of cultural, economic, and racial diversity, reduced safety, the many ills of hyper-urbanization, made the Bay Area vulnerable to the inevitable disruption of a pandemic, 
earthquake, recession, etc. How is this dynamic, workers realizing they can work remotely with a higher quality of life elsewhere, affecting the upcoming Bay Area job picture? Also, the cost of housing is affected by interest rates. How do interest rates affect this picture? Yeah, let me start with remote work. And I think as, as we've looked over the last couple of years, that that is the major shift in our economy. Whether you look at the employer's or the employees, we seem to like remote work here more than just about everywhere else. Um, you can look at our office buildings, you can look at our BART ridership, uh, you can just look at downtown activity. You know, We are the bottom of the barrel there. So I, I do think that this does all go back to costs, right? If, if, if you can live in Montana or wherever, but work for one of these tech companies and make a tech salary or just make a high salary generally, why not, why not do that? So I, I think remote work is here to stay. Uh, for sure, I, I think the big questions around remote work is: is it a, is it a model where there are some jobs that can be done fully remotely, or is it more of a two, three day model? And I think that then determines if you can live here or not. Because mm-hmm. um, we're looking at the data on population now, even more so than we are around jobs, because we think the population numbers are more reliable uh, than the jobs numbers, which don't necessarily say where you sit. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the oh, wait, what are you oh, seeing in those population numbers, Jeff? Well, it's the, similar to the the activity downtown. So the population numbers here are down. Uh, the Bay Area is down around 150,000 people from where we were pre-pandemic. So mm-hmm. again, we're we're seven and a half million people. So 150,000. It's not it's not like everyone has disappeared, but a negative movement in population usually tells you you're going to have trouble growing economically. Uh, people and economy almost always go go together. So. Again, it's a it's a cost equation. Whether you're a business or a household, you're thinking about the costs and benefits of operating or living here. And increasingly, more companies, more people are making that decision to say, "Oh, I, I can get more for my dollar somewhere else." So I think as we you know, as we talk about these layoffs and we talk about you know, our, our future economic growth, we, we got to get a handle on those policy issues and those affordability issues to make it attractive for both people and companies to want to be here in our next wave of growth. Yeah. Let's uh, bring in Ben in San Carlos. Welcome, Ben. Hi, I'm a a technology CEO, and we've laid off people in the past. Um, We've had cuts of 100 or 150, and I think there's a confliction of low performers and layoffs. And many of these big tech companies are talking about their bloat and this being a targeted or right-sizing that's Um, targeting low performers. And I think that that's actually pretty dangerous. If you think about who actually gets cut, usually it's business units that are underperforming or have been on the periphery, uh, roles like recruiting. And so I just think at the personal level, you're going to see a lot of people labeled with, you know, you were laid off, something must be wrong. And I I can say from personal experience, that couldn't be further from the truth. Mm -hmm. Hey, Ben, how are things looking for you in your in your business uh all the investors have shifted from top line growth to profitability Hmm. so everyone's tightening up whether that's mergers and acquisitions targets whether it's your earnings and so there's just a lot more pressure on uh, profitability versus growth and i think that's where you know the cuts are all around customer success and customer support um, they still want to see, you know, increased sales, but it's all about the unit economics. Yeah. I mean, do you, when you talk to other, you know, leaders around you, how long do you all think this might go on for? Like, are you battening down the hatches for, for some years? 
Uh, or are you thinking like, all right, you know, soft landing and we'll be fine in 2023? I think it varies by sector. Uh, sectors like healthcare are pretty optimistic, but I'm in ed tech and we're calling it the ed tech winner. And mm-hmm. so like we're all thinking this is going to be three or four years. Um, part of that also has to do with funding. You know, federal stimulus funds all, like, expire in the next two years. So we don't feel like we've seen the worst of it. And, you know, private equity firms are coming in and gobbling up companies that used to be really, really successful. So I, I think it's just a, it's a batten down the hatches and get through the next three years. And uh, venture capitalists are giving um, some tech companies runway so that they can last for three years. Um, before they have to raise another round. Yeah, really interesting. Thank you so much for sharing that uh, perspective with us, Ben. Um, sure, you know, I, I, you know, I'm listening to that, and of course, venture capital is what drives so many, at least at the at the smaller company um, level. Do you see changes in the way that you know we we heard from Ben that they're you know focusing on profitability, which you know you would think they might have done that before, uh, but it was largely focused on growth. I think that most people would would say that. Um, what else are you hearing that might be changing on you know upstream from these companies? Well, I, I think the point the last caller made was really great that it's not when, when we use the word underperformer, it can really sort of um, paint these people who have lost their jobs with a with a black brush, and it's not the case. I think that in the past, they've had a lot more um, energy and a lot more interest in letting projects and experiments run their course. Like you would have an executive who had an idea for something and you would put together a team and that team would have a year or two years. I mean, sometimes even longer at these companies to play around with that idea before somebody might have said, right, okay, this isn't this isn't working out. We're going to reassign you or maybe we'll, we'll lay off this team. Um, and now you're seeing all of those, well, they call them vanity projects, but really sort of more experiment. You're seeing a lot of that sort of being looked at more critically and saying, okay, does it serve our central mission? Is it worthwhile going forward with this? Is it serving what our chief executives think are the most important part of the companies right now? And if the answer is no, then um, then they let them go. I mean, I, I was struck by something. It was a small detail uh, in one of our stories in the Times, which noted that when Elon Musk took over uh, at Twitter and began those layoffs, one of the most significant deep cuts was made to the team that was working on India. And, you know, we, we we have seen time and time again how misinformation, disinformation runs rampant in India, how hate speech is a problem, how Twitter plays a role in spreading all that. But, you know, he looked at that and thought, right, I don't want to dedicate the resources to India that we once dedicated. And so uh, he laid off that team. Mm-hmm. So it's not that that team were underperformers. It's not that they um, weren't good at their jobs. It's just the executive was valuing something else. Yeah, it's a really good point. Um, let's bring in uh, Jenna in San Rafael. Hi. Hey, Are Jenna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go Hi. ahead. Uh, hi. I was just wanted to say that um, I've lived in and around the Bay Area my whole life. Um, now I live um, in the uh, North Bay, but I lived in San Francisco for o- over 13 years. And I just, I just don't think that – I even worked in tech at a big tech company, but I don't think that – um, tech is the only game in town. Like we have a lot of other industries here in San Francisco and our, our prosperity has predated, uh, the tech industry. And we still have tons of tourism. We have a great nightlife. We have restaurants. We have so many different industries 
that are thriving even in the face of the economic downturn. And I think that San Francisco is going to be just fine and recover from this. Yeah. I love the optimism, Jenna. Thank you so much. I, uh, I, I hope so as well. I, um, you know, Jeff, I, one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, you know, I've been in many places around the country that are trying to, you know, they'll be like, oh, we're trying to become the Silicon Valley of X. And they talk about how there's these kind of like tech multiplier, you know, for every tech job, it generates X number of jobs. And of course, the numbers are always different in these different places. But people will say it, you know, in, the, in Miami or whatever, in you know Cleveland. Is the same true in, in reverse, that like when we lose tech jobs, we should expect that there would be X number of other jobs that those tech positions were holding up? So we, we've done one of those analyses for our region, and we show that there are four other jobs for every tech job. So, I, you know, it's, we haven't done the analysis in reverse, but I think it's logical to say that other industries that are connected to tech, whether it's the law fir- firms or the construction workers that are building tech campuses or, uh, you know, the janitorial and building services, you know, all, all of those get squeezed slightly in a tech downturn. And I think the previous caller made a great point. Depending on how you count it up, only 20% of our employment in the region is in tech, right? So there, it, most people do something else. So there are all of these other vibrant industries, but why we're so focused on tech is because it, its growth has driven spending in all of those other industries, right? So it, our, our economy is very much dependent on tech. It is large, and those other parts of the economy are also need tech to survive. So I, I think you know we talk about the tech job losses today, but as we play it forward a little bit, it'll be interesting to see how other sectors are responding um, to basically a loss of employment, loss of wages, loss of wealth in our region. I have to say one out of every five jobs seems like a lot to me. (laughs) Uh, That's pretty big. Uh, Let's go to uh, Chris in San Francisco. Yeah. Hi. Um, Great conversation. I I just find myself thinking about all the thousands of people who either just got laid off and, or will get laid off later this week as individuals. And, I frankly kind of want to say congratulations. I mean, you're incredibly accomplished. You've done a great job. I mean, you've gotten these jobs. You've learned a ton. And inertia can be so strong when you have a job. But here's an opportunity. Hopefully, the companies will give some good severance and whatnot. And you can go steer your career into fixing one of the enormous problems that we talk about on this program every day, whether it's climate change or the climate crisis or the fake news or, or, or homelessness or any of these things. So I, yeah. I think that this is really a silver lining for so many folks who are kind of stuck. Chris, did you make that kind of turn yourself? Is that why you're thinking about it? Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I'm in the world that likes to call itself tech, whether it's mattresses or cookware, but isn't quite tech. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I uh, left a job uh, after being pushed out five years ago and turned around and started a company that, we're all about putting them to plan obsolescence. So mm-hmm. people are welcome to come join us, too. Yeah. Hey, uh, thank you so much uh, for that perspective, Chris. I think um, there's probably some people out there kind of reevaluating their lives, don't you think, Shira? Yeah, definitely. And it was interesting. One of the tech workers who got laid off from Twitter was telling me that he was looking at this as a moment of opportunity. He noted that the last time that there was a recession was when a lot of our current day tech companies were startups. And, and you know, it's when people come together and put their heads together and think, right, what problem do we want to solve and how do we do it? And he said that a lot of unemployed engineers with good severance packages could potentially come up with the next wave of uh, big Silicon Valley companies. Yeah. 
Jeff, what are the numbers that you're going to be keeping an eye on over the next, like, say, you know, six months that people out there can be like, okay, here's where the wind is blowing? Well, right now, the the number of job openings we have in the U.S. is still extraordinarily high. So when we think about potential recession, uh, there are still many companies out there with open positions. And that that does kind of give uh, the economy a bit of wind in its sails. Even as we have some of these announcements and we have a slowing economy, there is still, uh, you know, th- there are still all of these opportunities out there. So th- that's one. Uh, two, I think a lot of this is really dependent on what the Federal Reserve does. I think they've already signaled that um, they're willing to put the nation into a recession to get inflation under control. So watching a combination of the inflation and industri- uh, interest rate numbers, I think, will be huge. And then just within our region, monthly, we're watching the, the jobs numbers. And last month, within the nine counties, we had our first job loss um, in quite some time on a monthly basis. Uh, very few other regions, if any, had job loss in that month. So there, there is this idea that the region at the Bay Area, Silicon Valley, may be a bit of the tip of the spear as we head into a recession, and we may be the, the first to experience that. And I think the announcements that we're talking about today um, fit into that. So yeah. um, those yeah. three for me, but you know, a lot of this is Federal Reserve interest rate driven in my mind. Sure. Uh, you know, just one of our listeners wanted to say something for people who are out there on H-1B uh, visas, you know, and again, talk to lawyers about this, but just in case, about your conversation today, listener writes, I'm not a lawyer, but I'm a tech HR person. If you are employed in the U.S. on an H-1B visa and you're laid off or fired, you need to leave the country almost immediately. Your employer should provide you with the means to return to your home country. If you want to stay, you need to have an employer to assume your visa. Technically, you don't have time to job hunt. To get a foreign employee into the country, an employer needs to prove that they couldn't hire a U.S. citizen. So some really tricky situations out there. I hope people um, are able to, to navigate those. We've been talking about numerous layoffs at Bay Area tech companies, what that means for our region's economy with Jeff Belisario, Executive Director of the Bay Area Council Economic Institute. Thank you so much, Jeff. Thank you for as, having me. Really appreciate the time. As well as Sheer Frankel, technology reporter for The New York Times and co-author of An Ugly Truth Inside Facebook's Battle for Domination. Thank you so much, Shira. Thank you so much. Always great to hear your voice. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Thank you to all of our callers and commenters. That was really excellent perspective from the community. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum Ahead with guest host Rachel Myron. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising-Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. 
all over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.